This is Lead with a Question. Being able to see a person's eyes and their faces, they come out of an experience and they're just like lit up and new again. It just fills you with so much like joy and happiness that you were able to give something so cool to somebody and, and allow them to maybe even question a few things. I don't know what it is, but for some reason that's intoxicating for me. <laughs> so I wanted to build a machine that would just disperse people that were re-enlightened or something so that I could just like feel that. Hi, I'm Rob Callen. We live in a time when people are seeing that the old way of doing business is broken and that leading into the future requires something new, a deeper focus on humanity, the courage to let go of power and ego, a desire to nurture the conditions for co-creation, and the bravery not to have all the answers. On this show, I, along with my friends Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen, connect with guests who embody these principles. And whether household names or not, they've shattered the status quo, often as misfits, to shape the future with others and achieve miraculous things in work and life. A well-lived existence is not for the faint of heart. Setting and pursuing goals invites challenge. It creates the potential for disappointment. When we're younger, dreaming big dreams comes easily, but for some reason, we can lose that ability as we get older. Like barnacles that attach to the hull of a ship, fears can cling to us and slow our progress through the waters of life. That's why we were so excited to connect with our guest today, a leader whose experiences in the creative application of technology have equipped him to explore the limits of the question, how can virtual reality help us overcome our fears? A conversation with James Jensen, on this episode of Lead with a Question. My name is James Jensen. I'm the CEO and and founder of Jump, which is a virtual reality uh, wingsuit-based jumping experience. Uh, I like to call it hyper-realism. Uh, where you use physical sensations matched with the visuals and audio synchronized uh, that make you feel like you're doing the same thing. So it feels very realistic. Um, but my background's uh, commercial art and design and and uh, photography and all of that. And uh, long, long story short, I have lots of businesses. I had started my own creative agency, um, realized that I didn't like having a creative agency and that I... Um, made a lot of other people look really good, multi-million dollar companies, uh, and uh, that I could do that for myself. And so I kind of got into this entrepreneurial um, mindset where I wanted to create my own products and my own services and stuff like that. And so I kind of started doing that. Uh, but I did along the way get to work with a lot of amazing people and a lot of groups. Uh, my creative agency worked in, in movies in Hollywood. And uh, we did a lot of visual effects. And that's kind of where the void came from, my, my first virtual reality project. Um, we were seeing uh, you know, live composites of actors with real-time sets and physical objects matching virtual objects. And at that point, I was just like, I want to be inside of the computer, a Tron moment. You know? And 
I, I literally said that. I think I said it out loud to the director when I was on stage. I'm like, I want to be inside the computer. Um, and that's kind of where the void, uh, came from. It was an idea I had probably over 20 years ago now. Um, but created a few, few other projects, most of them were web applications and social media networks, uh, when Facebook was around. And so I learned a lot about social media and, and, uh, social media, um, mechanics and, uh, playing with ego and all that, but I won't dig into that, but we, through, through the void project, we created uh, 20 plus locations worldwide. It was a walking virtual reality simulation and we had a relationship with Disney and Sony. I got to fight the state puff marshmallow man and I got to fight Darth Vader and be an Avenger for a little bit. It was awesome. Uh, the multiplayer experience where you could see each other, you could talk to each other and you went on this adventure together. Um, and then, you know, kind of jump was born out of that. And the way, reason why it was born out of that was I created the void for completely just entertainment sake. And I didn't anticipate, um, what it actually delivered for me. And that was this understanding that the hardware was doing way more than just entertaining someone. It was, uh, uh, I, I was fascinated with how people looked and how they felt when they came out of the experience. They were almost, people would say they were almost reborn. We had this saying that adults went in one side and kids went out the other side. And it was just like this child <laughs> wonder of life again when they came out of the experience. Like everything was fascinating. People were fascinating. Words and sounds were fascinating. And I got really excited about what that opportunity could be. And, and that's kind of where Jump was born from. Um, Jump uh, takes full advantage of the, the psychological and physical state that hyper reality systems put a person in and allowing them to have potentially a pivotal moment, uh, uh, an experience that could be pivotal for an individual. Um, you know, if we, and I, I like framing this, uh, a little bit around if you, if you ask somebody, if they are, if they have the perspective they have on life because of all of their past previous experiences, most people will say, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I have my perspective based on everything that's happened to me and I formed my reality around that. So hyper-reality systems are just a way for us to have experiences faster. If you look at what it would take to do wingsuit base jumping in reality, it's a five-year journey, $30,000, and you've got to risk your life. So the bar is too high. <laughs> but that experience could be pivotal. You know, and so I'm really excited about what Jump is. When we'll we'll dig into it and get into it, but it's a super hyper realistic experience where you physically step up to the edge. You got to make the decision to jump off, uh, fly, pull your parachute, and celebrate. So I'm sure that you have encountered some challenges and hurdles along the way, because um, I can't even imagine like how I would start to put a venture like that together. <laughs> um, so what, what were some of the things that you, you kind of had to figure out? What were some of the problems that you and your team had to overcome at the outset? Um, well, being that it was my second project in virtual reality, there was a little bit, it was a little easier because when, when I used to tell people that I was going to map a virtual world over a physical world, they're like, what are you smoking? Cause there's no way that's going to be possible. <laughs> but now that I did that and it was like, Oh, you want, you want to make people fly. All right. Well, James could probably do that. So I didn't have to deal with that issue. The black box of the whole project was really, can we make a, a professional athlete feel like they've jumped off a cliff and and that keep falling and, and have full control of the wingsuit. And that's a complex problem because 
in order to have a simulator do something like that, you have to predict what an individual is going to do. And so I knew about pretty much all the other technology that, that need to happen and how the, how the business would need to work, but I didn't know if we were able, again, we, if we were able, if we were going to be able to predict when a person was going to jump so that the whole simulator could be ahead of them. Cause if it's not ahead of them, then you'd feel some kind of tension pulling on your back and feel, feel like something's pulling you back from, from achieving this thing. And I wanted you to feel like you were completely un- untethered and you were all by yourself on the cliff edge. And it was all up to you to jump off of this thing. No security at all. And we accomplished it. We have people that stand on the edge for three to five minutes shaking saying, are you sure I'm good to go? Are you sure that I, I I'm going to be safe? I'm, this is good. And, and we're like, yeah, you're good. We have your parachute hooked up. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I love your story, James. It's like, so, uh, it's so layered, right? Your experiences leading up to this, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people, um, imagine in their heads, right. This idea that you described, right. It's like, well, I want to be in right. That experience, uh, in, in the game personally, um, you know, but the bridge between that idea and actually manifesting it in the way you're describing is, I mean, it just, it's, it's a world of work that, you know, yeah. It, I mean, having experienced it myself, right. So I, I, you know, I went to the void you know, with my kids and I, you know, I shared this with you before, you know, we get in and, and it, it was, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought, well, this, this has got to be cool because you know, it's, it's star Wars and you know, it's inside of this experience that is different and, you know, grabbing the guns, you know, feeling the heat of the lava going up the, you know, elevator. And then what you're sharing now, as far as the jump, you know, it felt real and, and it tapped into zones in my brain and body that, uh, were distinct, right. So that I still have those experiences logged in a place that, like all we, we just start talking about it and the trigger happens where it's like, wow, I, I, I have feelings about those experiences that are logged in ways that are different than other experiences in my life. Uh, and you know, the first being right. So w- with my kids, it was like, wow, we're having this moment, but it was also the reality, right? Like you said, it's a hyper real experience, um, that you just don't get in any other way that I've experienced, right? You can play a video game and, but it's just not quite the same, um, kind of that holodeck, uh, type, you know, moment. And so just so impressive what you're doing. Yeah, Chris, it, it's funny because I had a similar experience with the void separate from Chris. I took my kids, uh, downtown Disney and I look over and I see my kids as little stormtrooper outfits, but it looks so realistic, shiny, and just, you, you felt like you were really in the world itself. And then Likewise, you know, you invited Chris and I to come experience jump. I couldn't stop thinking about how I felt afterwards. I mean, my heart was still just had this little flutter to it, um, you know, good 10, 15 minutes after the jump. And we sat down and talked with you about the experience. Um, my, my question to you is, it's one thing to have someone in your facility, you know, you kind of prep them, they go through the stages of preparation, putting on the suit and you can kind of go on to that for us. And then they're, they're in the chamber where they're, they have the VR rig on and they're about to step on the edge. My question though is yes, there's a state of fear that is unlocked right then and there. 
and I felt it. I have this natural kind of fear of free falling. Um, and so I could never do like skydiving, bungee jumping, things like that. I can do roller coasters. If I'm strapped, I'm good to go. But my question is, how do you get people that are in a state of fear to even step foot in your facility? I'm sure you've thought a lot about that. And I, I think I'd lo- I'd like to start there and then maybe you could talk us through the process when they are in your facility. I think that's the, the incredible opportunity that we have, right? Is the way, the reason why they step in the door and my wife is absolutely terrified of heights. She finally jumped a few weeks ago for her birthday. Cause she's like, I'm going to do this. Uh, because you know, we get them, we get those types of people through the door because this is the only experience that they can think of on the planet where there is literally no risk of physical harm or death or any of that in this experience. So when you step up to the edge of jump, unlike when you step up to the edge of a bungee cord jump or a ropes course or any of that, that's where real physical things and real heights and real risk. Um, Inside of jump, you have the ability to, to feel all of that exact same fear in a safe situation physically, but psychologically, it's full 100% fear, right? Your, my, your mind, you know, I've had people come out of the experience saying, oh my gosh, that was so hard and that was so taxing and my heart rate is like out the roof. And, and if they could just see what was actually happening, they're laying on what equivalently is an air mattress, moving their arms up and down like three inches. You're not doing anything physically, but your mind makes the whole thing so real. And so jump and hyper-realistic simulations are the, that mo- are, I guess that opportunity for an individual to have an experience where they can, they can embrace that fear. They can embrace whatever that experience is. And then they still have, they have a little bit of, of power on their side saying, well, it's not real. I, I don't think it's real. Like I, I can do this. And then, and then they go for it. Right. Where, where in reality, that's probably a little bit harder. Um, trusting the, psychologist or the ropes course guy and like, you're good. I promise that we've done all the checks on the ropes, like go for it. (laughs) At jump, you have this opportunity on the edge where you really get to, um, experience that without any risk, uh, physical risk, but full risk in your mind. I feel like I've like unlocked this secret thing to create memories for people. But when I share it, it seems so simple. It's like, why is this not yeah, a, a normal thing that everybody thought about. Like, if you think about what reality is, where I'm sitting right now and, and, and the environment that I'm in, there's a lot more going on than just visuals and audio. I'm smelling things. I'm feeling things. I'm, you know, this, this, this whole thing happens. And so, you know, all you have to do with hyper-realistic simulations is have two or three more sensations that your body is expecting to tell your mind that the visuals and audio that you're seeing are real. And once you do that, you're doing the same thing as going to Hawaii. I build memories. When somebody asks me, how's it going? How was, how was it going out to Florida this weekend? Whole bunch of images appear and whole bunch of sensations appear and whole bunch of sequences appear where that doesn't happen when you play a VR game. That doesn't happen when you watch a movie. If somebody asks you like, how was the movie? You're like, I think it was pretty good. Like, you think about the movie. You don't think about how you felt in the movie. Like, <laughs> I was scared, maybe, but what moment were you scared and, and who are you there with? I, I don't know. It's different. It's not like a memory, like uh, going to Hawaii or going some, someplace. So yeah. anyways, I feel like we are finally able to unlock that. 
Yeah, you're tapping into this like crossover, right? And your your experience personally is a story of crossover, right? Where you have this depth of you know creativity you've described, and then the depth of science, right, to actually execute or build this uh, for people. And as you said, it's kind of this crossover of physical and you know virtual. Uh, and you know, in many ways, it seems like well, wow, you know that that could very well be. Uh, you know, help shape the future, right? And as we think about too, like people's lives and going back to Ian's point, you know, and we were talking about uh, that fear factor that most people face some version of it, right? In their lives. And I think psychologists have framed up this, posed it as, you know, because a lot of these things are, are perception-based, right? What is fear, right? And it's, it, it, if you break it down, it's usually something that is not actually real. And so if, if you're, presenting a case for or something where they can experience and say, wow, I had this hurdle that was so high, it felt impossible. And I got to that edge, right? And I, and I did something that I didn't want to do and I broke through. Then what kind of trajectory does that set for them, right? In their life to do whatever other thing that they're facing. And so I'm curious, like what you've seen or what experiences or stories you may have so far Cause this is, you know, an ongoing journey, but like you've seen somebody it's unlocked for them, right? Something in their life. Yeah. We've, we've been inviting people back, um, that have been posting reviews about kind of how this moment has changed their life <laughs> in a way. And we're not even all the way, uh, you know, complete to what I think the whole vision of this thing is, but you know, people are saying, you know, I have stress and anxiety and have fear of all these things. And, but for some reason, now, when those feelings appear again, I remember being on the edge of jump and then I did that and this is easier than that, um, which is really cool to get some of that feedback already. It's very validating for me. That's like, oh, yes, the message is coming through. Right. But the, the analogy of 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 stepping up to the edge and not feeling like you have the experience or the ability to do this thing. Right. And, and all this fear is coming of this, this thing that you think is going to happen. And then just jumping past that has got to be kind of unlocking some kind of potential. If you think about an, an analogy of jump, it's like, it is completely artificial and fake. Like you said, Chris, it's like, it, it's artificial and in, in the visual and, and say, say the whole thing is, but aren't most of our fears, like you said, Chris, like artificial, like we're, we are, we're, we're constantly creating this future that we're scared of, right? That's where most depression, anxiety come from. It's like, oh, this future thing that's going to happen to me. And so I need to stress about it right now. And in that future thing, you know, 99% of the time is never going to happen unless you give it energy, right? I mean, if you keep giving that energy, then the potential goes higher. So it's like the more you feed it, the more realistic it becomes. And so um, that, that idea of like, uh, of being able to experience something that's artificial, I think kind of like gets you to realize or hopefully gets people to realize like, Hey, most of the things I'm scared of are these artificial things that I'm creating. And why am I creating those things? Maybe I should do something different. I think the implications for this are so um, amazing in that in a very kind of sustainable way, you're providing these experiences for people that they can easily translate to whatever their personal situation is, because, you know, there are probably as many uh, unique fears or concerns that people have um, as there are people. And um, 
you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, for people who, who really enjoy kind of working out first thing in the morning, um, one of the benefits that it provides is, Hey, I started my day off by doing something really hard. And now by comparison, I feel like I can totally handle the rest of my day. And so thinking about something that's even more visceral than that, like, uh, you know, tapping into a fear of death, uh, by, by falling, um, but then helping people get through something like that. I mean, this is more than entertainment. It's almost like the next age of, of therapy, you know, cause a lot of people, they, they engage in, in talk therapy and sometimes it can take years for people to make, you know, progress in different areas. And in no way am I saying like, you know, this is totally gonna, you know, replace that. I think there's still value in that, but, um, but I think the implications here are potentially, you know, world changing. Thank you. I mean, we're still, we're still early days on all of this stuff, but that is the, that's absolutely the mission and direction of where we're going with all of this is, is that it's, uh, you know, this, this idea that you can, you know, have an experience that doesn't need to be interpreted. Right? If you think about the experiences that you've had that have been life-changing for yourself, it's usually the ones that are like these pressure points. And then you have like this massive, massive shift of your perception, right? It's, it's kind of less than when you sat in a class for an hour and a half and you listen to this person teach you something and now you got to try to interpret that and apply it to your life, right? The, the, the things, the experiences that happen to you physically have the, the quickest results, the quickest, fastest results on teaching you something. And so from my perspective, we're creating a new, a new education system, new training system. Sure. Maybe a new therapeutic. Um, but you know, it's early days. We'll see right now. We're just having fun. As we're talking about all this, I keep reflecting back. I, I did sky. I actually jumped out of a plane when I was, I think I was 17. And, uh, you know, and then having done the jump experience with, with you, right. At your facility. Um, and just thinking about, you know, what those two experiences were like and the, and the differences contrast I'd say, first of all, like the other was, there was not a lot of preparation for it. It was like, you sign a waiver and you jump and, and you get up in a chicken coop plane and it is like crazy. Right. And you are scared out of your life and it is life or death. Um, and to your point, there's not like a, there's not a lot of preparation or transition you know, positioning for that. And, you know, we live in this kind of, you know, world where, especially the rising generation, but most, all of us now, it's a digital first world, right? And so how do you transition people into those moments? And yeah, what you've done there at Jump and all those things that you've kind of captured that lightning in a bottle, giving people that, it, it is a really precious gift. And I guess we're just, I'm just curious, like, how do you see the future of this? Like, where do you see it going, right? We talk, it's a growth development. Like what could happen or what, what are some thoughts that you have that have occurred to you as you've been on this journey? Um, well, I think for the most part, for me, what I want jump, jump to represent in the industry is a shift from VR is for, for video games. <laughs> it's, it may be in what they, people call a game engine right now, but um, the, the true purpose of what virtual reality and hyper reality systems are for us to find our true purpose and, and discover ourselves. You know, it's like this, it's this way to have, ex like I said, it's this way to have experiences a lot faster. Um, you know, I don't need to try to 
go do this thing for five years of my life and spend tons of money and risk my life to do it. I can do it right now. I can do it right now and have the learnings right now. So like if we're at the beginning of this, how many of those are going to happen? What if, what if I could pack a week full of experiences that would have taken me a lifetime to do, right? What if it, what if it's wingsuit based jumping and it's something else and it's something else and something else. And they're all paired together to create the scenario or an outcome that gives me this massive shift in my perception of reality where I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I only live for so many years and I got to spend them however I can to, to get, gain as much knowledge as I can. So I think that's the massive opportunity here is like, I don't need to go on this path anymore to, to figure out this thing to do it. I can just do it right now with the technology. And that's, those are massive learnings guys. Like I'm telling you the shortcut here. And that's why I'm working with scientists um, I'm working through working with these rock star neuroscientists that are jazzed out of their mind about the opportunity here because if they were to measure like a normal person that wanted to be a professional wingsuit guy or woman in in the world, they would have to follow them for that long, collect all of their data for that whole time to figure out how that changed their life over five years. They would have to do that. I can do that in my facility in three days. I can, I can now take what would take them five days, take a person in here that has no experience and would never have this, this kind of experience and have them jump several times within three days and then see what their, what their state, what their perception of reality is, like how that, how that helped them, how that shifted things. I mean, the future of this, I would go as far to say, you know, you know, not that jump will do any of this right now, but I'm just want to clarify that but the, the potential is maybe there's a future where, we have hyper-realistic simulations that are prescribable and they have predictable outcomes, right? So maybe they maybe they reduce stress or anxiety or they help people with depression or PTSD or whatever it is. They ha- they're able to have these experiences that shift, that almost rewire the neural network. They, they're no longer, you know, suppressing emotions. They're, they're allowing you to reframe emotions. They're allowing you to reframe this, this fear that that's so... Uh, it just stops them. Right. And so being able to have an experience where that rewires and, and pulls them from that situation into excitement for success, which high performers get into, right. When they feel that sensation of fear, it, it excites them to succeed. It doesn't, they don't push away from that. They, they embrace it and they go for it. And that's really what separates a normal person from a high performer is their ability to take two steps in the darkness and see if they can figure it out on the way down. Right. James, what, what other scenarios have you considered with your team to maybe create other opportunities for people to be brave, right. To kind of face their fears outside of like jumping in flight. Like have there been other things that you've whiteboarded with your team that you might be leaning into as an exploration? Yeah, there's there's a hardware roadmap, guys. It's really fun uh, getting into running, walking, climbing, all that stuff. Um, but there's also other things other than just fear, right? If this is this is a simulator or or a system that allows you to have experiences faster, then what are some other things that you could you could give to a person that's not visual? I just I found out all of this through my journey. It's like there's a huge group of people that do not visualize things. They either hear it or they 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 see it with words, but they do not visualize things. And it's very hard. Um, people that can visualize things can almost recover from things faster because they can visualize a result and they can see it, right? So giving people tools to do that. 
one of the concepts that we mess around with is this meditative experience. We call it uh, transcendent reflection. And what this experience would be, it'd be more of a meditative experience where instead of jumping and diving, um, the experience has started with you breathing. Like you breathe in really deep and then you exhale and you breathe in really deep and you exhale. And every time you do that, this thing lifts you up more and more up into the air until you're flying across the clouds. And you're just flying across the clouds, going wherever you want in the sunset, beautiful. And you're flying and flying and you start seeing these pillars of some kind of island thing that's there. And you come down through the clouds down to this place where you land. And as you land, it's just this beautiful place that you're sitting and all this music and sensation is happening that's allowing you to get to this really deep meditative state, which is, this is a guided meditation uh, thing, right? But it, this is done very visual and lots of sensory input. Um, but as you land, um, there's this resolution where the, um, the, the, the being that helps you meditate or helps you lift, lift you up. This is very bright being, um, kind of comes out of the water at the end and walks up to you and starts getting closer and closer to you. And as it gets closer and closer, the light fades away and it's actually you. It's, it's because we take your picture of you Mm -hmm. and we can put you in the simulator. And so it's you. And then you, you merge with yourself at the end. And it's like this, this kind of like reflection uh merging with your true self kind of idea and um there's a lot of stuff like that that could be super therapeutic and i don't know out of out of uh maybe a little bit of selfishness i'm doing some of these things for myself but um <laughs> yeah i think it would be awesome to start exploring a lot of those other things like it's one thing to to tackle fear it's it's debilitating to a lot of people uh on in, you know several ways but there's also other ways we can kind of uh, help with with that without without it being always extreme sports like right. go for it. And the simulator allows you to do a lot of stuff like that. Even even fulfilling my dream of flight, which is usually starting by me kind of jumping and then getting higher and higher. Um, absolutely, we'll be able to do that. We are concepting a way to do kind of like this Superman takeoff where you get down in the Superman pose and you jump up and it puts you in a flying position. So endless possibilities you guys love it well I, I huge respect for for it james because the other thing like as you're talking about it uh and is all given your background but given your intention that there's there's a reality that you're like you're actually this you, know, you can manifest this and as you're describing that meditative experience you know a lot of people talk about you know transcendental meditation or deep meditation and a lot of people do it but you know the best we tend to have is you know, maybe an audio app, you know, like on center or something where you're listening and it's, it's good, it's useful, but what you just described, I'm imagining it. I'm like, gosh, like that is amazing. You know, I want to have that experience. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who would say the same exact thing, but like, how do you bring that level of experience and scale it so that every, well, as many people as possible can start having these kinds of experiences because wow, I mean, what, what would that do in their lives? Yeah, I I see a very clear path to that. Uh, maybe other people don't see. That's why location-based entertainment is so important. Um, because we are doing a lot of physical things right now. We're doing a lot of physical things to, to give you the sensation of X, Y, Z, to make you feel like this is a thing. We get a location-based entertainment you know, locate, you know, place, we get to put a lot of equipment on you. We get to use very expensive equipment. I, you know, the rig that's in there is several hundred thousand dollars for the simulator rig. Um, but what that allows us to do is collect a lot of 
a lot of analytics on how a person is interpreting the reality, right? And so um, in a facility, we have the advantage to say, all right, well, a person uh, is doing this X, Y, and Z thing because of, because of this sensation. What if we tried to remove that sensation and do it with just color or do it with just audio or do, you know, right? Like how do we remove the physical sensation and introduce something else that gives us the same result? And we can do that here. We can do that in this place. And so that, you know, we do have a hardware roadmap that does give you physical sensations and stuff that I could foresee in the future would be about the size of a home gym that allows you to run and walk and, and have full mobility in the metaverse. But I do believe that there's, there's another path too where you could do um, some of this stuff with, with even just like a headset visuals and audio because we've collected enough information that allows us to know the exact moment, the exact thing, the exact sound, the exact color, the exact uh, position to put a person in to pull off the same physical result. Does that make mm. sense? Mm. Where, where without, without a location, you can't, it's harder to do that. You know, we, we don't have the ability with just the Oculus or just, you know, one of these, you know, inside out tracking headsets that people are getting to get enough information to understand how they're right. interpreting the reality and how we can make it more realistic for them. You're talking about customizing the experience, right? That a home rig just doesn't offer. You can do it in real time is what you're explaining. Yeah. Yep. Customizing the experience in real time. And then when you get, um, when you get a mound of data and you have very good predictability of, of a scenario, like just say, Hey, we hit, we hit 99.75% of people go into the state when we do X, Y, Z. We don't need that equipment to measure that anymore. We just know that it's going to work, right? And so then we just implement it. We just implement red at this specific moment with this tone. And for some reason, that gets the person there. So it's kind of like you're, um, you're using sort of like the full extent of your capabilities, you know, with the really, you know, top shelf equipment, um, but then trying to figure out, okay, what are those like high leverage stimuli Yes. And then thinking about it in a way that you can scale down all the other things that are sort of extraneous, but then preserving those high leverage stimuli so that it's more scalable for, for people kind of off location. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That that's, and I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's a different approach that you could do that with, with headsets that are already available out there in the market. Um, but that's the approach I'm going for. I feel like it's easier to get people in here with less commitment. I mean, even just to get a headset still at your house, it's several hundred dollars uh, to do that. And we're quite a bit less than that to come here and experience it, start building a profile and, and analytics around how you interpret that reality and then be able to use that to help you, uh, achieve what you want to achieve. And then eventually I'll be just like, Hey, you don't need to come into our facility. Here's a headset. Here's the programming that we have that yields a result that we know yields a result. And you can just follow this program. That's awesome. So along with these things that, that you're describing, um, you know, thinking about the, the potential for good, um, have there been moments when you've had to also think about sort of, you know, the potential for, for darker applications to this kind of technology? And if so, you know, what have those conversations been like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. And this has been like throughout my whole career in building hardware and technology and streaming and all kinds of other things. Um, I've seen the exact opposite for all of this stuff. And in fact, like it's all happening right now. You know, you guys, this is 
It's just like, you got to pick which team you want to be on. <laughs> I think it's like, do you want to be on the team that helps people? Or do you want to take, be on the team that takes advantage of people to fill your pocket full of more money? Right. And, uh, I'm not interested in being in that team. I want to be on the team that's, that's using this technology to help people and increase, you know, uh, a person's ability to have an enjoyable life. And I think that's, that's a worthy cause. I don't, I don't really have, you know, I'm not driven by making, you know, more money or, or making billions of dollars off of, of this thing. And, and it would take a lot, you know, I'm setting up this company in a way to, to preserve that, uh, in the future. So we can get as far as we can with a, with a full vision of this to make a huge shift. Um, but you know, when that question comes down the pipe, it's like, what other company has neuroscientists on board that are looking at this uh, from that perspective and saying, what is actually happening in here? You know, the majority of the stuff that you can download on, on Oculus or, or Vive on the, on the market are done by developers that are used to creating zombie shooters or creating these other things. And they have zero understanding on how that's impacting the individual. And they don't care. Honestly, they don't care. Like, Let's create a zombie, uh, you know, the, one of the last video games that my son downloaded, I was like, I don't know if he should be playing that game. He's like, yeah, I don't think so either. He was literally taking an ice pick and going around and stabbing people in the head with an ice pick. Right. It's like, and, you know, game engineers like, oh, that's going to be so fun and so cool. They don't have scientists. They don't care how that impacts a person. They just care about selling, you know, their game. And so, you know, we're at jump, we're trying to take an approach that is like, no, this, we understand what this is. This is a belief system, whether it's a very powerful belief system. And we've been doing this with movies and we've been doing it with video games, but you're separated by a screen. You guys like you can influence a person, you know, through a movie and stuff and you can feel good and you can have these different types of experiences after, but when it's happening to you, it's like 10 times, 50 times what it would be in a movie. And so this is a belief system, very powerful belief system. And I think that we should be being, we should be looking at the data and we should be doing things more deliberate about, about what it really is. And that's what, that's what the biggest shift I want to make with jump. And there's, there's other people out there that are playing in the medical field and stuff that are looking at the benefits of this. Um, you know, they're showing that you can lower a person's pain tolerance, or I guess you can high, raise their pain tolerance just by having them in virtual reality. I've seen them like clean out burn victims arms with no anesthesia or, or pain medication. And they're just doing fine. You know, sitting in VRs are they're cleaning their burns out. Um, it's pretty wild. And so it's a belief system and we want to be deliberate about what we're doing. And there's something about the intention that, that you have in your work that um, I think can inspire a lot of people in their work as well. So one, what you're doing and where that's going to lead, uh, which, you know, of course could, could be a lot of places and, you know, the future seems wide open for this. Um, I keep thinking of, yeah, the Lord, <laughs> as you're describing, you know, that the, the world of zombies and, you know, the, what we tend to see in the, like in the average kind of world of video games, it's like, I just think of Lord, Lord, like Lord of the Rings, the, you know, it's like the orc army, like that stuff is just happening out there. Right. But you've got these folks that are, interested in pursuit of light. Right. And it's kind of that moment, like you're, you're standing with the troops, it's Aragorn. It's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to stand for light even, you know, despite all of it. And, uh, it's just such a good cause. Um, and I, th I, I get curious then, you know, with, for you personally, what's most gratifying, you know, about your work and, you know, what, what do you, uh, what have you found to be, 
uh, you know, most meaningful in what you do? Um, I found it with the void and it was that there is no amount of money that is more gratifying than being able to see a person's eyes and their faces. They come out of an experience and they're just like lit up and new again. I don't know what it is, but it just fills you with so much like joy and happiness that you were able to give something so cool to somebody and, and allow them to, to have a minute to be, to, to reflect on their life and, and to maybe even question a few things. I don't know what it is, but for some reason that's intoxicating for me. <laughs> so I wanted to build a machine that would just, that would just disperse people that were re-enlightened or something so that I could just like feel that. Um, that's what drives me. And I, I would guess Disney had the same thing. I'm, I would guess he walked around his park and just watched people come off the rides and come out of his, out of his place and just, and just absorb that. And that's what drove him was being able to see people enjoy something that he, he created. And I think there's a little bit of that in, you know, the entrepreneurs that are doing things and they're extremely successful. Like at least in the beginning, they like, they feed off of that energy of a person that's, that's experiencing something that they've created and, and, and they love it. And maybe that gets, maybe that gets shifted when, when a lot of money gets introduced and then they start to lose perception on that, but that's not going to happen for me. I'll, I'll always be looking for the, the next level to create an experience where I can get that, where I can get that, you know, that moment where I get to watch somebody come out of an experience that's kind of, you know, that's just changed or just even had a little bit of enjoyment for a bit, you know, even if they aren't changed, at least they got to experience something for a moment that, that took them out of their day to day or whatever it is and, and let them have, have a moment. You know, I, and I say that by kind of carefully because I, I don't, I no longer think that VR is to escape reality. I think it's, it's a place to go do something and come back and amplify reality or shift reality in a way. So, um, you know, too much, too much of our, of the media and stuff around VR is like, Oh, escape reality and go do this thing. It's like, well, kind of going there, but you want to bring something back. You want to bring something back that you can implement. You want to bring back new tools, new ideas, new thoughts about specific things. And that's when you're going to see VR just like go skyrocket when people can see that there's something that they can take away from the experience that they can apply in their life or that makes their life more meaningful or that is even just meaningful in general um, or, and useful, then then VR is going to go out the roof because that's, that's when it's really going to take on. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of people that are, um, you know, distrustful of, of technology, you know, and, and some of the implications, but I think what we're seeing here is that there is a ton of potential for, uh, you know, humanitarian uh, oriented work as well. And one of the things that we talk about at BraveCore a lot is the the meta principle of make others the mission. And I think that we are seeing and feeling that from you, that a lot of what is driving the work that you're doing is not just to, you know, build a cool toy or, or to entertain people, but you're providing an experience for people that, that can change the trajectory of their lives. And that is inspiring. That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you, you wanted to, uh, to share with us today? Um, I just, I appreciate you guys. It's been fun to, to chat and I totally align with your guys' mission and what you're trying to do with Brave Core. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. 
um, I hope to, I, I told the scientists, the, the PhDs that came out here, I'm like, I don't have like a PhD. I don't know how to do that thing that you guys are doing. I'm creating tools and bringing the right people around the table to be able to take advantage of those tools. And, and that's what I will, that's what I really want to bring, uh, you know, to our reality is, is new tool sets that allow us to be able to have experiences faster. And, um, uh, you know, I think jump is just the beginning of actually the, the void was the beginning jump is just the next step towards that. And, I didn't un- anticipate what the void would do for me. I can't imagine what door jump is going to open up since we've been so deliberate about how we want the experience to be. Uh, the void was accidental and it opened up this massive door of potential. And so I'm really excited to see where jump goes. I think maybe that's one of the other things that drives me is, is seeing where this goes. Like what door does this open? Are we, are we going to be able to figure out how to levitate? Like what's, what's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> unlock, unlock full human potential. What does that mean? That, that that's my goal. And I think with the rest of the years that I have in reality is to find or unlock like full human potential, whatever that means. And I hope to achieve that. And I think that's true. Actually, I know that's true hyper-reality simulations because that's the only way you can have that many experiences so fast. This episode of Lead with a Question was produced by me, Rob Callen, with support from my co-hosts and BraveCore founders, Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen. The music you heard was composed by Ian as part of another project he's involved in called Moon Machine. Dave Arcade created our podcast cover art. Special thanks to James Jensen for the hope-inspiring conversation today. This one got us really excited to see what James and his team will create in the future. And to experience Jump for yourself, you can head over to LimitlessFlight.com. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing at BraveCore, you can check out our website at bravecore.co. The Lead with a Question podcast is a production of Bravecore LLC. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.